With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris McPherson, and welcome to our first post-combine edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. As always, I am joined by Fran Duffy and Alex Smith. Hello, everyone. Alex, glad to have you back in the saddle. Glad to be back. Miss you guys. After a week in Indianapolis. Uh, great show for you today. We're going to get the latest news and notes in our draft buzz. Our Mr. Relevant will be none other than Eagles preseason analyst and also NFL Network draft expert Mike Mayock talking about some potential options for the Eagles. Our pick six today will be six players who helped their cause the most in Indianapolis. The unofficial visit is with Devondre Campbell, linebacker, and in our draft mailbag includes your questions to round out the podcast. So let's get things started off with a lot to get into in this week's edition of Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, we'll start things off in this week's edition of Draft Buzz with a note from former Eagles player personnel executive and ESPN analyst Lou Riddick, who said he would be shocked, and that was a term he used on Twitter, if Ohio State running back Ezekiel Elliott was not selected in the top four picks. Now, I have not seen any mock draft to have him going in the top five. I don't know if I have any, any going in the top ten at this point. Mm-hmm. So for him to have that effusive praise, uh, quite extraordinary to the very least. Well, how many mock drafts at this point had Todd Gurley going in the top ten? Uh, you know, it's, I feel like it's a very fluid situation. So, uh, I, But I think the buzz is certainly building around Ezekiel Elliott right now. Um, I don't know, Fran, if you've had a closer chance to watch the tape, but he just looks really explosive. He, he stays balanced. He's a powerful runner, yet he also has that breakaway speed. So uh, I certainly think that he could end up going in the top four. Yeah, and really the the most impressive part about Ezekiel Elliott is the fact that he's just one, you know, I always talk about competitiveness with a running back. He's one of the most competitive running backs I've watched in the last few years. Just the fact that he just refuses to go down on first contact. He consistently is able to make the first man miss, and that competitiveness shows up as a blocker as well. He's good in pass protection. Uh, as a lead blocker in the quarterback run game or on the outside run game, he does a really, really good job of getting after defenders in the second level. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's the best back in this class. But really the, the big thing with him is he's going to step in and he can be a three-down feature back right away. And if, if you're a team that's picking up high and you need a feature back, you're going to look at him and say, look, he can step right in and rush for 1,000-plus right now. So, and that's what you're looking at with Ezekiel Elliott. Question for you, Fran. Is he one of the five best players in the entire draft class? I think he is. I think he certainly is. And if he's not top five, then he's top six. You know, I think that you're, you're talking uh, you know, Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey, Tunsil. I think Elliott is right in that mix right after that with Bosa uh, and a couple of these other players. Elliott is a, is a fantastic prospect. All right, next note here in our draft buzz, Florida State defensive back Jalen Ramsey and Florida corner Vernon Hargraves tested in the 99th and 98th spark percentiles, respectively, among NFL cornerbacks, according to Rotor World contributor Zach Whitman. And, friend, we talked about this in Indianapolis, that once the players go through the combine testing drills, you get these spark percentages to get a better look at a player's overall athleticism 
compared to current players in the NFL. So to have these two guys who are already elite prospects to begin with test so well from an athleticism standpoint just helps their draft stock that much more. Yeah, and the one thing to note too is that, and this isn't against the the way that they collect that data, but it is compared against every player that's ever gone through the combine. So it's not just the guys that stick in the NFL or guys that get drafted or guys that were first-round picks. So absolutely fantastic athletic numbers. I was not surprised at all to see Jalen Ramsey in that list because they factor in size and weight, and obviously mm. he's a bigger guy, 6'1", 200-plus pounds. Vernon Hargreaves, as we know, is a little bit smaller, so that just speaks even more to his athleticism. The fact that he was still able to reach that 98, 99 percentile at that size is very, very impressive. I love the the spark term. It's like this secret formula. Franz explained it to me before how it works. Uh, but basically what it means is these guys are 98th and 99th percentile. They're freaks. They're athletic freaks. Yes. And wherever they fit in on a defense, they're going to be pretty good players. Was Byron Jones the highest ever last year after his combine workout? He was certainly up there. He was certainly up there. Uh, I don't know if he was the highest ever, but he was certainly in the, the in upper echelon, yeah. Wasn't Byron Jones, the, didn't he have like the super long broad jump last yeah, year? Yeah, the broad jump the was a record. record. Yeah. Yeah. Broad jump. Yes. On top of everything else, his overall workout was very good. The right. broad jump was what everyone remembers because of how good it was. Mm-hmm. No one had ever cracked 12 feet before at the combine. He was the first, I believe, to do so. All right, next up, uh, evaluators from four NFL teams told Yahoo Sports that Ole Miss defensive lineman Robert Kimdichie is in danger of, quote, a significant draft day slide. Now, there's been some reaction to this on Twitter that, you know, from the the off-the-field stuff, that you're not going to have choir boys at every position, and teams are going to be able to be fine with that aspect of it. There are some teams that say, look, the on-field production raises concerns as well, and that's why even though from a size and athletic standpoint – he should be one of the top guys in this draft class. He may slide because you haven't seen him put it all together on the field. Yeah, I mean, he's no sure thing on the field. And obviously, we know the questions off the field. Basically, what's going to happen, and you're going to see his visits, the amount of teams that visit with him are going to go sky high because now every team thinks they're going to have a chance at least getting one crack at him, uh, and they're all going to want to do their due diligence on finding out whether or not he is a good fit for their organization. So really what it comes down to is you have to weigh the on-field talent and what he can be moving forward against any potential harm he may cause by bringing a guy like that into your locker room. I don't know how how bad it is. We don't know how good it is. We have no idea. All we can say is just go off the reports and, and s- figure out exactly where he's going to end up. But certainly a guy that has a lot of athletic ability, a guy that can be a disruptive one-gap penetrator for a team, can play inside, can play outside, certainly has a lot of value. So it will be very, very interesting to watch that situation. Yeah, and it's it's also hard to – really know what significant draft day slide means, what significant means. Does that mean that he goes from, you know, 15 overall to the end of the first round or into the second round? Is that a significant slide for him? I think it all just depends on how each team is evaluating him right now. It seemed like from the start of the mock draft process, though, he was considered a top five, top ten guy. So probably a late first round would be significant. It's always interesting to wonder which teams are leaking these reports because if you're – you know, let's let's use Jalen Ramsey, who's considered a top five lock, I would say, at this point. You know, if the Eagles were hoping to get a chance at him at 13, they would need him to slide. So maybe you put some things out there that, you know, might cause a little bit of a slide. Oh, Jalen Ramsey just happens to 
mm-hmm. fall into your lap. So, um, so it's always interesting to see which teams are putting out these types of reports. Well, that's why it's going to be – you're going to see that, you know, it'll come out over the next week or, or so. Uh, Robert Condici has 25 visits lined up with teams. That's, that's what it's going to end up being because every team is going to think that they might have a chance at getting them, so now everybody's going to want to make sure that they uh, cross the T's and dot the I's. Uh, next note here in our draft buzz. As Fran and I were sitting in the Indianapolis airport getting ready to come back to Philadelphia, we saw that Bob McGinn, who's covered the Green Bay Packers for a long time, has the annual anonymous scouts piece where he breaks down – what he's hearing from scouts about the top 50 or so prospects in this year's draft class. And we figure, and it's a must-read, it's very interesting. Um, you get some good, you get some bad, you get a little bit of everything on these guys. You get some different opinions than what's out there uh, in the mainstream media. So it's definitely a must-read, something you should check out at some point. Uh, but we figure we'll take a couple of guys that are noteworthy from each. And Alex, why don't you start... Uh, with a couple guys who stood out to you. Yeah, two things that stood out to me. Uh, One is positive buzz, and the other one is a a little bit of a negative buzz. But uh, the first player is Miles Jack. And what the the one scout says is, quote, he's the best player in the draft. He's a slam dunk. He can play modern-day football. He ain't never leaving the field. So he's the best player in the draft, and there's scouts that believe that he's the best player in the draft. And if you look at Mox right now, you'll see him going, you know, maybe fourth to the Cowboys. A lot of them have him going fifth to Jacksonville. I'm really starting to wonder exactly how high Miles Jack is going to go. If he's the best player in the draft, and I know teams will sometimes take where they have a need, and Laramie Tunsil has kind of been the consensus number one pick at this point, but I'm really starting to wonder exactly how high Miles Jack could go. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very, very interesting discussion. You know, it's something we talked about uh, in our week in Indianapolis. I talked about it with Greg Cosell on this week's Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. What a guy like Miles Jack can bring to a defense. And, you know, you may look at him and see him as a safety. And then the question then becomes, do you take that guy in the top five? If you only see him as a safety, if you only see him as a as a linebacker, and that's all you're going to use him as. You don't want to try and, you know, put him out in space. and do, You just want him playing in the box. Then you have to, you know, adjust accordingly. But – his versatility, I think, is really where his value comes from. And uh, it's very, very interesting to see uh, you know, where he'll end up. And then uh, the other note that really struck me was about Connor Cook, quarterback from Michigan State. Um, scouts note that he's got a great winning percentage, uh, average arm, quick release. Uh, but then some of the, you know, the off-the-field stuff that you know, has been speculated about, it seems like it's starting to hit home with some scouts too. Don't know if his teammates really love him. Um, there's also a note in here that he likes being a celebrity. So... Uh, he did speak at the Combine. I thought he presented himself fairly well at the Combine in his press conference. Um, so I'm, I'm just wondering you know, how much of that off-field stuff may affect where he slides, at the if quarter- he slides. At the quarterback position, is huge. Mm-hmm. You probably would argue that it's most important at the quarterback position. And I know there was a red flag that he wasn't named a captain, and I thought Cook did a good job of defending himself, saying that, look, I was on the leadership council. I was a game captain for a number of games, more than I think any other player you know, I just wasn't named one of the, the captains because we had some really good leaders on that football team. But uh, it seems like it's interesting that this keeps coming up, that he's not able right. to kind of uh, quell these concerns. Yeah, it's definitely something that's interesting to watch. We've, talk, it's, we've been talking about it since the fall. Uh, I, I agree. I think I, he held himself pretty well at the Combine. All right, so uh, I'll dig into my two guys. Uh, first is wide receiver Tyler Boyd, and the reason I went with him is because I know Fran thinks he's the best receiver, 
in this year's draft class, and you know he's not really being named among the likes of Laquan Treadwell, Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson. Will Fuller seems to be coming up in that conversation after his amazing performance in Indianapolis. But in the anonymous scouts piece, uh, very smooth, good hands, good route runner. He has a chance to be in the latter part of the first round was a note that was read here. So, you know, maybe that's a surprise. That's to some people, maybe not in the scouting community, but in terms of, uh, you know, reading the mock drafts that maybe Tyler Boyd is a name to watch. Now, he did run a 4-5-8 in the 40, which was considered disappointing, but still still 4-5. It's not the end of the world there. And the second one, another uh, favorite of Franz here, Xavier Howard, the corner out of Baylor. Uh, probably has a chance, quote here, he probably has a chance to be a late first-round guy because of the height, weight, speed factor. Top 50 for sure, man cover corner, you know, good size at 6 feet, 201 pounds. Yeah, and there, there are two players that I really like and two players that did not test particularly well in, t- in regards to uh, other players their position drafted in the last five years at the Combine. So uh, I think both guys will look to improve on those numbers at, the pro- at their pro days. But uh, two very talented players. And really what, you, what it comes down to in the passing game, you know, as a receiver and then also as a corner, is ball skills. You know, and I think Tyler Boyd has excellent ball skills. I think that Xavier Howard, for a corner, has excellent ball skills. So those two things, those two players can hang their hats on, and I think that's why they make them top five players at each of their positions. I think Tyler Boyd, like you mentioned, is one of the one or two best players in the, at the wide receiver position, and Xavier Howard is going to be a, is going to probably end up being a top five corner for me just because of his his size and his ball skills. Okay. Fran, right. you can round things off with your two guys. So two of the things that stood out to me, you look at uh, Andrew Billings, right, who was Xavier Howard's teammate at Baylor, uh, is known for his strength. You know, he set high school records in the state of Texas coming out of high school with his ability in the weight room, uh, and he's known for his his power at the nose tackle spot. And he was brought up in McGinn's piece. You know, they, they – they, they bill him as the strongest college football player. He's a limited athlete, but he's got incredible strength. He is a true nose. The scout compared him to Vince Wolfork. Now that he did go on to say, they rant and rave about how strong he is, but he just doesn't play that way all the time. I see him in the second or third round. I think Billings is a top 50 player in this draft. I don't think that he's a top 10, top 15 player. Some people have said in the past that he, he's a top five talent in this draft class. I don't necessarily see that. I don't think he's even as good as... Danny Shelton was a year ago coming out of Washington. He went in the top 15 to the Cleveland Browns. I would agree with that scout. I I didn't always see that strength. I didn't always see that athleticism from Billings. So interesting to see that that was brought up. And then the other thing, a player that was not brought up in the piece, and that was Mackenzie Alexander, the corner from Clemson, did not make this top 50. So very, very intriguing. I think that he's getting a lot of buzz. He held himself really well uh, in the media room at the Combine. I think a lot of teams – uh, there were reports that some teams thought he was a little bit too cocky and you know a little bit too full of himself. At the cornerback position, I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. I, I'm okay with that at the corner spot. But uh, certainly a guy that I think is a top two or three corner in this draft class. He's got great man coverage skills. The big questions are his size and then ultimately his production on the football. He didn't have any interceptions throughout his entire career. They, now teams stayed away from him. He only played two years. Remember, he's a redshirt sophomore. Teams stayed away from his side of the field more often than not. How much will that hurt him will be very interesting to watch. Uh, time to get in some mock drafts, gentlemen. Yes. And our good friend Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com did his, is this his third or fourth edition? I think, I think this is 3.0. 3.0. His third edition of a seven-round Eagles-only 
mock draft, and this was done before the news of Sam Bradford getting his new tier contract came out, but nonetheless, his pick for the Eagles at number 13, Carson Wentz, the quarterback from North Dakota State. Alex Smith, I think you'd be excited if this were to happen. I would be excited, and the reasoning, uh, Jimmy's reasoning here was pretty interesting as well, that, you know, Everybody thinks he's going to be the first quarterback off the board at this point. You know, second overall to Cleveland is where it seems like everybody has him going right now. But Jimmy actually went back to, you know, the last couple of years and some of the quarterbacks who, at this point in the process, everybody thought that Geno Smith, for instance, was probably going to be the number one overall pick at this point. He fell to the second round. Teddy Bridgewater was the consensus number one overall pick for a long time, uh, and then he had a, a rough pro day, and that set him back, and Minnesota ended, tra- ended up trading back into the first round at 32 overall to get him. So um, I think the, the pro days and you know, the rest of the workouts uh, along the way are going to play a big role in this. So um, could he fall to number 13? I think so. Uh, and if he's there, um, I'd, I'd strongly consider taking him. With the two third-round picks... Kemsky went into the trenches first. He went the defensive lineman from Chris, uh, from Mississippi State, Chris Jones, and then the second, third-round pick, Landon Turner, the guard from North Carolina. So Chris Jones, Chris Athletic Wilson, yep. oh, defensive sure. line coach. There will be ties there, so mm-hmm. he'll know him firsthand. Um, but definitely would seem to fit what Jim Schwartz wants to do on defense. Yeah, Jones is an athletic kid. He's got good size to him. Uh, still needs some refinement, still needs some work, and that's why obviously that he would fall to the third round. But uh, certainly a, a size, speed, uh, athletic project there at the defensive tackle spot. Yeah, and it's interesting that um, Jimmy has back-to-back offensive linemen going here, third round and fourth round. Uh, Turner, you just mentioned from North Carolina, and then Max Turk, uh, the center from USC. A lot of people think that he's able to kick out and play guard as well. Um, Certainly the Eagles have a need at offensive line, and I think these guys, Turner and Max Turk, would certainly fit that mold that you're looking for at the guard position. But uh, really it all depends on how this Eagles coaching staff evaluates that spot and what they're looking for. But Turner and Turk as back-to-back picks I find interesting because Turk, body style-wise, you know, Turner is the massive guy. Turk is tall, 6'4", and is a leaner guy, right at 300 pounds, so... But, Fran, know that you've been a big fan of Turk. Uh, he's coming back from a knee injury. Don't know how far along in the process he'll be uh, by draft time. But, nonetheless, uh, a guy who is very versatile and someone who you've looked at his tape you've been very fond of. Yeah, he plays, he's played all five offensive line positions during, during his career at USC. Uh, he's a great athlete as well. And it's a shame that he couldn't work out because – you know, he, I think he would have been a guy that would have torn up uh, the combine for, at the offensive line spot. So Turk is a very, very intriguing player. A lot of very athletic players uh, on Jimmy's list here. All right. So in the fifth round, Jimmy has the Eagles taken C.J. Proceis, the running back out of Notre Dame, and then some more help for the offensive line with Joe Dahl from Washington State. I like Joe Dahl. Uh, I was able to catch up with him at the Senior Bowl um, for one of our unofficial visits. But I like what he brings. I think that you know, a lot of people think that the Eagles are going to take a guard within the first three rounds. They have two picks in the third round or in the first round. They could take a guard there. Um, but I think that there's some pretty good value at the guard spot later in the draft, in the, you know, the fifth round range, maybe the fourth round. Guys like Joe Dahl, 
Um, I, I like Graham Glasgow a lot too. Don't know if he's going to make it to the fourth round or the fifth round, but um, I think there's there's some pretty solid value in the guard spot later in the draft, and I think Joe Dahl is one of those guys. Yeah, and then ProSize is one of the most athletic running backs in the draft class, uh, a guy that was a former receiver, has only been playing running back for one year. But you talk about some players last year that came into the league as former receivers or at least with a receiving background and have made an impact. David Johnson went in the third round to Arizona. Jeremy Langford, a former receiver at Michigan State who transitioned to the running back spot late in his Spartan career came in as a third-round pick for the Chicago Bears and made an impact when Matt Forte was down. So, uh, you know, I think you could p- compare ProSize to two of those players. I don't see ProSize falling into the third day of the draft. I, I think that he's going to go higher than that. All right, to round out the draft in the sixth round, Jimmy has the Eagles selecting another quarterback. Jeff Driscoll uh, was originally enrolled at Florida, transferred to Louisiana Tech, uh, and lit up there. And in the seventh round, Cole Toner, the offensive lineman out of Harvard, and wide receiver Cody Kaur of Ole Miss. Two quarterbacks and four offensive linemen. Four offensive linemen. Wow. And so, you know, obviously, look, uh, along the offensive line, you need to to be able to add some youth there. Cole Toner, I thought had a pretty good week, Alex. Especially mm-hmm. in the in the one on ones, I thought he did very well. I can remember two instances where you can remember at the end of the Dallas Cowboys practices for the North Squad, they would do those one on ones with the whole team yes. gathered around. Cole Toner won two of them uh, throughout the week, and I uh, definitely a guy that has good length. He's got some light feet. He's a really impressive player. All right, uh, we unveiled our first mock draft tracker this week on Philadelphia Eagles. dot com. Alex, you've been compiling that. Uh, what are some of the notes? What are some of the things that you uh, you gathered from it? So I've looked at 25 total mock drafts up until this point, um, and kind of the consensus right now the the player in the lead. Any guesses? I'm sure you guys all know. Well, I read the piece, so oh, I, know, yeah. I know I know who it is. Well, it's even been updated since the the piece actually went online. Jack Conklin has eight eight out of the 25 votes. He now has the lead. At one point, he was tied with Paxton Lynch. With five votes now, we keep mentioning it, but with Sam Bradford's new contract, um, you know, we'll see how many experts send Paxton Lynch to the Eagles. But um, really, everybody's kind of looking at the same position groups with the Eagles: offensive line, quarterback, uh, a couple wide receivers thrown in here. Uh, Chris Burke from SI has Laqu- had Laquan Treadwell uh, in his first version of his mock draft, uh, and then just very recently, Daniel Jeremiah has Corey Coleman going to the Eagles in his latest mock draft. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, and I, I think wide receiver could be a spot the Eagles look at early on. But everybody's kind of focusing on the offensive line, the guard spot. And a lot of people are saying that Jack Conklin would probably be the safest pick at that point. Well, you got to be careful of that term, the safest pick. Sure. Of course. The best player, no question about it. So we looked through some mock drafts. We've gone through the draft buzz. Now it's time to get some more analysis. We're going to bring in... NFL Network draft expert and aficionado, as well as the Eagles preseason analyst, Mike Mayock. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Pleased to be joined by the pride of Philadelphia, the pride of the Haverford School, none other than NFL Network's Mike Mayock, also Eagles preseason analyst. So, Mike, let's go through some of the key positions for the Eagles in terms of the upcoming draft. And we'll start, everyone talks about quarterback. Yep. And, of course, everyone's debating the big names at the top, Jared Goff, Paxton Lynch, Carson Wentz. Who are some maybe of the mid-round, those Kirk Cousins development-type quarterbacks who the Eagles might, Doug Peterson might want to say, I'm going to bring this guy in 
let him learn for a couple of years and develop in, into a potential NFL starter. I think there are five or six of those guys this year, which is a bigger number than usual. And because of Kirk Cousins' success, that's what a lot of GMs are asking right now. And in that group, I would put Dak Prescott from Mississippi State, Jeff Driscoll from La Tech, uh, Kevin Hogan from Stanford, uh, I think Kessler from USC. There are four names right there that I think a lot of guys are talking about, maybe even Jacoby Brissett from North Carolina State. They all bring a little something different to the table. And when you're a mid-round quarterback, what typically happens is a quarterback coach or a head coach falls in love with you for some reason. Maybe your, your mental agility is better than other people. Maybe you've got big, some big-time arm that, that has some upside that you feel like you can develop a technique. But you're a mid-round pick for a reason, but typically coaches fall in love with a particular flavor. Prescott is your number five quarterback. A little bit of a surprise when you look at other analysts. What do you like about Prescott maybe more than other people? Well, the funny thing is the first two tapes I watched were Alabama and Ole Miss, and they were awful, okay? And it wasn't fair to the kid because his offensive line couldn't protect him and his wide receivers couldn't uncover. So then I went to the next tape, which is their bowl game against North Carolina State, and what I saw was a, a quarterback that could get the ball down the field. He could throw intermediate and deep. When he had time, he had some accuracy, and he also was a good enough athlete to get out of trouble when he needs to. So I look at him as a fairly raw quarterback prospect that could go fourth, fifth, sixth round, but if I was a quarterback coach, I'd like an opportunity to try to develop him. You mentioned offensive line and protecting the quarterback, and that's been a subject of debate in Philadelphia for quite some time. Jason Peters expected to be back at left tackle. They signed Lane Johnson to the long-term deal. Who do you think they could maybe target as a tackle that maybe doesn't come in and play in 2016, but someone they could develop for down the road? Well, it depends what round you're talking about. Um, you know, the, if the quarterback situation is resolved and, and they don't have to use a quarterback at 13 or, you, or you're looking at an offensive lineman, if so, uh, I really like Jay, the Conklin kid from Michigan State. I think ultimately, if you're thinking big picture, which we, what general managers have to do, Conklin could plug in on right side, Lane Johnson to the left side because Jason Peters is nearing the end of his career. So in the first round, I, I really like that kid as a fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles don't have a second-round pick. I would be looking in the third round. I think they have to pick two or three offensive linemen. I don't think this is a one-shot deal for them. They've got to get younger and more athletic in the offensive line. I'd look at some of those guards. I, lo I love the Garnett kid from Stanford who may or may not be there in the third round. And Christian Westerman is a guy that I think would fit them pretty well in the third round also. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And Jim Schwartz is going to bring that attack-style defense led by the front four. And obviously, they have some pieces. Fletcher Cox, an all-pro. Vinnie Curry got signed to a long-term deal. But maybe not in the first round, but someone who in the mid-rounds, maybe even from the edge or interior, who could they maybe bring in that maybe could you know, add some depth to that front four rotation? Well, it's interesting because uh, Jimmy's a four-man front guy. Uh, I think they're fine right now with who they have both inside and outside as they're starting four. You get into the third or fourth round, a local kid from Malvern Prep is really intriguing, and that's Carl Nassib. He's 6'6", 275 pounds, never played at Malvern, walked on at Penn State, didn't start for four years, and came in his fifth year and led the nation in sacks. He's a great story. He's a hard-working, tough kid. I'd love to see him in Eagles green. Uh, Kafusi from BYU is a similar kid to him, about a, a third or fourth round guy, developmental defensive end that could get some pressure on a quarterback. There are a couple names that I think would be intriguing at the right time. 
All right, let's get to your forte, the defensive backfield. And so far in the draft process, we've heard about Jalen Ramsey being the top guy, Vernon Hargraves from Florida, Mackenzie Alexander from Clemson. Who are some of the names that fans are going to start to hear a lot about more in the coming weeks from that cornerback position in particular? A lot of questions about Eli Apple from uh, Ohio State. He's a junior that came out. A lot of people did not expect him to. He's got length. Uh, he's got He's got an ability to cover and press. He's smart enough to play zone and off. Uh, they're going to be a lot of scrutiny on him. A guy I really like who I've spent some more time on recently is William Jackson from Houston. I think he can play press. I think he can play off. Um, it's going to be intriguing to see where he ends up. Last question for you, Mike. If you're in the GM's office, you're in the draft room, who's the guy that you're banging the table for? And, you know, not a top five, top ten guy, but a guy in the middle rounds who – you know, whether you've talked to the coaches, you've talked to the scouts, you've watched the taping, you're just in love with the kid and believe that he'll be a player at the next level. Who's a guy for you there? Two of my favorite players on tape are um, the slot receiver from Oklahoma, Sterling Shepard. I banged the table all day for him. And on defense, Carl Joseph, uh, who tore his ACL at West Virginia, is my number one rated safety. He's a bullet. He flies everywhere. He's one of my favorite people I've watched in the defensive backfield in the last several years. Philly's own Mike Mayock from the NFL Network and Eagles preseason analyst. Thank you very much for joining us here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Now it's time for Pick 6. Great stuff there, as always, from Mike. Now it's time for our Pick 6. And, of course, since we're coming off the NFL Scouting Combine, six players who help their cause the most in Indianapolis. And I'll kick things off here with Ohio State linebacker Darren Lee. I ran a 4-4-3 in the 40-yard dash, was explosive in the broad jump. Uh, also, according to reports, I think this one came from Bruce Feldman in that FoxSports.com piece, that he was impressive in interviews with the teams. Uh, very similar play style to his former, uh, former Ohio State player, Ryan Shazier, who has thrived as a first-round pick uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you're looking for you know, that new prototype, so to speak, at outside linebacker. Darren Lee could be that guy, and... I know Daniel Jeremiah has had him in mock drafts. I don't know where he's at in his current mock draft, but I know he's pegged him as a top 15 selection previously. You know, he's a guy who looks like could go in the first round, and I believe it was Feldman's piece that said he may be the best Ohio State product in this year's draft class. When all is said and done, and again, we already talked about Ezekiel Elliott and how highly he is regarded in this year's draft. Yeah, and Lee is a guy that obviously you talk about the dynamic athleticism and just the ability to play out over the slot and then also just explode into ball carriers downhill. He's just such an impressive athlete at the linebacker spot. Uh, the one player I want to talk about is a, a corner that I've been really high on for the last year or so, and that's Sean Davis from Maryland, the guy who's played safety, uh, transitioned to the cornerback spot. He's 6'1", 201 pounds. He ran a 4'4", in the 40. He had a 1'5", 10-yard split. He had a 6'6", 4'3", cone, and a 3'9", short shuttle. And you may hear all those numbers and say, okay, well, what does that mean? All of those cornerback, all of those numbers would be in the top 80 or more percentile from the cornerback spot of all corners drafted in the last five years. So very, very impressive workout for a guy that a lot of people weren't sure could stick athletically at the cornerback position. He played safety down in Mobile, very much like Eric Rowe. Mm -hmm. he, he's a guy that I've compared to Eric Rowe throughout the process. And then the spider graphs. This is now the, spider, the season of spider graphs. We're going to be seeing them uh, a lot more on social media and online now in any draft publication that you read. He compared 99% athletically 
to Eric Rowe. So gives you a little bit of a picture as to what Sean Davis could be. A very, very similar situation, not just athletically, but also just his football situation. Like I said, a former safety converted to corner, went down to the senior ball at safety. What position will he be at the next level? I think Davis can come in like Rowe and can compete right away at the cornerback spot. Amazing. Uh, for my first guy, I'm going to go with a uh, linebacker from Washington, Travis Feeney. Now, this is a player that Fran and I saw down uh, in the Shrine game in St. Pete, uh, and I had heard through the grapevine down there that when this guy gets to the combine, he's going to tear it up. He's going to be a stud. And true to that word, that's exactly what he did. When you look at how he ranked with some of the other linebackers down there, he was the second fastest linebacker in the 40 at 4-5 flat. He had the best vertical jump at 40 inches uh, and the second best broad jump, so um, he's a guy that's had uh, a few injuries throughout his career, but uh, the testing at the Combine really proved that his athleticism is kind of through the roof for that linebacker spot. Um, so, so we'll see you know, what teams out there are looking for uh, an athletic linebacker. Travis Feeney, I think, served himself really well down in Indy. All right, speaking of athletes, I'm going to go along the trenches and go with Jason Spriggs out of Indiana as my second guy. 31 reps on the bench, impressive there, good mark there. Uh, fastest among the O-line in the 40-yard dash. Uh, had a 10-yard split of 1.75 seconds. Also very good distance in the broad jump and had a, one of the fastest short shuttle times. So as a player who was all Big Ten, uh, started left tackle all four years of his career with, this, with the Hoosiers. Um, you know, players in that late first-round conversation, you know, between the experience, you know, the numbers he posted, the game tape, you know, this is a player who should be in the first round in this year's draft. Yeah, and Spriggs had a very, very good workout. And another player who had, had a very strong workout was TCU wide receiver Josh Doxson. It's 6'2", 202 pounds. He ran a 4.51. It's a solid time, especially considering his size. But then his broad jumps, 131 inches for uh, the broad, 41 inches for the vert. We're in the 90th percentile or above for the wide receiver position in the last five draft classes. A very, very good showing from Doxson in those drills. But then also in the short shuttle, he had a 408, which is another very good number. So when you compare his explosion with his quickness, and then also he had huge hands. I mean, he's got one of the, some of the best set of hands in the draft class and nearly 10 inches. You can see why it's so easy for him to catch the football on a consistent basis. Doxson showed up very, very well in Indianapolis. The wrist injury kept him away from the senior bowl, but a very, very good showing in Lucas Oil. I think could help him a little bit in the, once the, as the process unfolds. And speaking of speed and quickness, uh, for my last pick here, uh, I'm going to look at a, a, a fast linebacker, another linebacker for me, Devondre Campbell from Minnesota, had the third fastest 40 time of any linebacker at 4.58. Now, it, it's a little concerning. He only did 16 reps on the bench press, uh, which may lead some scouts to and some evaluators to question his strength. Um, but while the drills are, you know, that's what's televised, that's what people tune in to watch. It's kind of what goes on behind the scenes at the Combine, the interviews that the players do when they meet with these teams. That's kind of uh, almost just as, if not more important, than what's done on the field. And Devondre Campbell, uh, he's an academic all-Big Ten at Minnesota. Um, Everything you read about him is that he has a very high football IQ. We saw him again uh, at the Shrine game down in St. Pete. Uh, Just just looks the part as a linebacker, uh, but also a, a very intelligent football player as well. So I'm sure he did himself very well in the interview process. And speaking of interviews, Fran, you were actually able to catch up with him down in St. Pete. Uh, and we're going to play that for you now as our unofficial visit here. It's Devondre Campbell from Minnesota. The unofficial visit. 
Here now with Minnesota linebacker Devondre Campbell. And Devondre, uh, for fans who have yet to see you play, give, your, give a quick scouting report of what you can bring to an NFL team. Um, I definitely can bring a lot of athleticism. That, that automatically jumps off the board. And um, I have something that you don't coach. Uh, I hustle all the time. And, I mean, my length is, is, is self-explanatory. So I'm bringing a lot of versatility for the most part. I can play all three or four linebacker positions depending on whether you run a 4-3 or a 3-4. And I've also, I'm working out right now um, in my three-point stance, trying to, trying to get comfortable out of that. So there's a lot of different things I can do. What do you think is the, is the best position for you? Obviously, you can play a number of different spots. Is there one position that you might be more excited about moving forward over another? Um, I'm definitely more comfortable playing in space, so I can definitely play Will Backer in, in any type of scheme because I'm, just, I'm really comfortable guarding people, playing in space, you know, coverage. That's, that's something I did a lot in my three years at Minnesota. Is there one area that after the feedback you've gotten from Scott that you really want to try and hone and get better at? Um, definitely my disengaging from blocks is something that I personally knew I struggled in and just, just kind of hearing it is it, it, something that I really know I need to, to work on in the next couple months. And then the last question for you, Devondre, uh, playing in the Big Ten, who would you say is the best player you had to, co- you know, whether it was against the run or in coverage that you went up against uh, this past season? Um, uh, in the Big Ten? Yes. Um, that's kind of a hard one. I would have to say... Taylor Decker was a good player, even though I beat him one time. He's still a good player. I right, well, appreciate it, Devondre, and best of luck. Thank you. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Great stuff there from Fran and Devondre. Now time for your questions in our draft mailbag. Our first one, uh, let's go to this one here from Raheem Jackson on Twitter. Do you think that Paxton Lynch, if Paxton Lynch is there at 13, Will the Eagles draft him? And to me, you know, we haven't really delved into the Sam Bradford discussion. You know, we talked about on the Eagles Insider podcast and what type of deal that we thought the Eagles would be able to strike with Bradford. And, you know, it's a term where you solidify the quarterback position for the short term, mm. but I think you leave your options open long term. Definitely. You know, Bradford could come in like the world on fire and, hey, you know what? Maybe he'll end up being your long term guy under Doug Peterson. You can draft a guy, whether possibly it's Lynch at 13, maybe it's a mid-round guy, and that quarterback will have time to develop. He doesn't have to start right away in 2016, and then maybe can battle to compete in 2017 or after that. Or maybe, you, you know, it's like a Jimmy Garoppolo situation in New England where, yeah, you draft this guy high, but you've got Hall of Fame quarterback and Tom Brady kind of blocking the path there. Garoppolo is what, a second-round pick? Second, early second-round pick, yes. So the Eagles – and Doug Pearson and Howard Roseman said that they want to start developing the pipeline at quarterback. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't think it precludes you from taking a guy at 13 like Paxton Lynch. The question is just going to be the evaluation standpoint. You know, Fran, you saw him up close. You know, you brought up something very interesting that, you know, he almost had a tail two different seasons, the way he was playing the first half of the season to the second. Paxton mentioned there were some, some concerns about what came up on his medical check in Indianapolis that might spook some teams. So uh, I don't know if he'll be a guy that the Eagles will want at 13, but I don't think that the Bradford deal precludes you from taking someone there. That's the, that's the key part of this. The answer to this question is, is that with the deal that the Eagles gave Bradford earlier this week, they don't need to draft a quarterback, but they also aren't uh, you know, forced to they, – they're, 
they don't have to uh, say no either. You know, exactly. if they really love one of these quarterbacks, whether it's Paxton Lynch, whether it's Carson Wentz, you know, whether it's Jared Goff, or if it's any of these other quarterbacks uh, in this class, they you know they they have the ability to say yes. So it'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be incredibly interesting to watch. Um, you know, I think when the Eagles re-signed Bradford to a two, two-year deal, I think what that did show is that uh, Doug Peterson in the front office they think that the Eagles can compete right away. It, you know, it's not going to be a complete teardown where you know you're going to draft a guy you know in the first round and you know build with him. You still could draft a player. You still could draft a quarterback in the first round, um, but. If he's there at 13, it would be a really, really interesting situation. Um, you know, but if you have Sam Bradford with the possibility of Bradford being your guy long-term, because he could go out next year, have a Pro Bowl caliber year, take the Eagles to the playoffs, and then you could possibly work out a, a long-term contract with him. So um, it, it, would the Eagles take him at 13? It's, it's really tough to say because I still think you could get um, – you still could find your guy – uh, maybe in the third round or the fourth round, somewhere around there, um, you know, a player like a, a Christian Hackenberg who may fall a little bit. So we'll see what happens, but it's going to be probably the most interesting thing to watch about this Eagles draft. I think you brought up a great point there about how the Eagles have approached this offseason, and it's showing that they've got the core guys in place to win now. Mm-hmm. Now you just had to solidify that quarterback position, and Sam Bradford was, for this team, clearly the best option going mm-hmm. into next season. Uh, we'll have time for one more question here. Uh, this comes from at Ed Driscoll, 1010 on Twitter. If the Eagles were to draft Jack Conklin, the lineman from Michigan State, number 13, would you cut Jason Peters and then start Lane Johnson at left tackle, Conklin at right tackle? In my estimation, I would say no. Again, I don't think you need to force a guy to be out in the field in his rookie season. You want to give him that time to develop. And the Eagles have said time and time again they believe that Peters, when healthy, is still an elite mm-hmm. left tackle. Give Conklin a year to, you know, to learn behind the scenes. I don't know if he could slide into guard. I don't know if he can make that transition. I know there's questions. Some people have questioned whether he'll be able to play tackle at the next level. It seems like he'll be able to play tackle after the workout he had in Indianapolis. The question is just, could he slide to guard? I don't know. And then would you need to force him to start day one? I don't think you have to. I think he may have played guard early in his career. I have to look and check and double check that on my notes in front of me. I think he may have had uh, a year of guard under his belt early in his career as a freshman or a sophomore. But look, Conklin is was one of those road grader types. He's a, is a competitive blocker. tries to to put defenders on their back whenever he can. The athletic the athletic ability has always been a question for everybody, uh, and now it's just a matter of you know you have to decide as a team: Are you okay with him playing tackle? And if not. I think he can come in and step and step in and be very effective at guard as well. Yeah, and to answer the question, if the Eagles take him, would Jason Peters get cut? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I yeah. I do think that it would make a lot of sense for him to slide in and play guard right away and really be a starter at guard for the Eagles, uh, just because you know that in the long term he's probably going to kick outside and play tackle at some point. So if you start him at guard, he doesn't really fit there. You know that eventually you can move him outside, move him to right tackle. You can move uh, Lane Johnson over to left or or however they work it out. But um, I agree that I do still think that Jason Peters has uh, something something left in the tank and he can be a really good left tackle in the NFL. So um, I don't think he would be cut if Conklin was taken in the first round. I have Conklin with experience at left tackle or right tackle. Don't have anything on guard. So... Might not be 100% correct, but from what I looked at leading into the combine, it doesn't seem like he has a guard experience, but maybe he briefly was tried there at one point. 
or another. Uh, thank you very much for the questions, and I know we had to push the podcast back a little bit this week because of the Sam Bradford news, so thank you very much for being patient with us in that regard. Uh, again, no matter where you are listening to the podcast, make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to hear on future podcasts. Again, this is all about you, whether you're an Eagles fan or an NFL draft aficionado. Definitely want to cater to everyone who is listening out there. For Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You have been listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Thanks for joining us.